welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and strategies to shake up the status quo in human resources and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. What a great topic we have for you today, and welcome to HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Today's buzz is hiring. Let's get started. Guess what's raging in the San Francisco Bay Area? It's a talent war, a war. What's going on? Companies there are taking a fresh look at what really defines great talent. You're all looking for it for your companies, but they're taking under the microscope things like, what is the value of a college degree? What does it mean for someone to have social currency or social creds? What is that innovation edge, that golden factor? What are a whole bunch of other elements that some companies Take into account, some companies don't even know about. Well, guess what? There's an evolving hiring model in the Bay Area that could impact how your organization hires in the future, wherever in the world you're based. You don't have to be there. You could be anywhere. But guess what? It could have implications for your own career. So listen up. I have a panel of experts ready to share their insights, their knowledge, their expertise, their opinions. So let's get started. First up on the panel today, I'm welcoming Michael Castellano. He's the founder and CEO of Engager, Inc., and I'll, I'll spell that for you so you know it's E-N-G-A-J-E-R. I'm dying to call it Engage, but it's Engager. And Michael has sent me a quote from Richard Branson, founder of the Virgin Group, and as you may not know, 400 companies in that group, and he's one of the wealthiest men in the U.K. So let's talk about the quote from Richard Branson is, you don't learn to walk by following rules, you learn by doing and by falling over, Michael Castellano, welcome to HR Trends. How are you today? Very well, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me. Fascinating quote from Branson. Who's learning to walk and who's falling over? Uh, I think I think I've done my fair share of falling over. That's for sure. Um, but Richard Branson's definitely been one of those business leaders that I've I've looked to. I think that he has a uh, excellent perspective on how to create a culture for a company that attracts great talent. I think he also has a lot to say in terms of retaining that talent and just overall running a really good organization with a great culture. Okay. And how does this apply to what's going on in the Bay Area? Can we we take a broader view of this, Michael? Sure. So the Bay Area has probably, uh, especially if you're going after engineers. Um, it's, it's one of the most competitive markets out there. Um, and if you've ever been in a position where you're trying to hire a really good senior developer or CTO for your, for your business, um, you know firsthand that it's really, really difficult. So we're always asking ourselves these questions of how do we how do we attract great talent? How do we retain great talent? Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what I've found is you really, really have to create a culture that's unique. You, you can't just be your run-of-the-mill business um, because that's not exciting and it's not interesting. But if you're very differentiated, if, if you're known as that company that's really fun or if you're known as that company that, you know, really – 
adventurous or really sexy or really whatever, but just really, really understanding your company culture, then what happens by, by osmosis is it attracts those people who, who are like that and who are most like that. Um, and so, so what I've found is just don't be vanilla. Okay. Thank you very much, Michael. Good insights, and we have a lot to talk about with you and the rest of the panel. We'll get back to you in a few minutes. Let's turn to our second guest. It's Cheryl Fields Tyler at Blue Beyond Consulting, and she sent me a quote from the former co-CEO of Charles Schwab. His name is Dave Potruck, P-O-T-T-R-U-C-K. Here's the quote. People will work hard for money. They will give their lives for a meaning. That's a wow. Welcome, Cheryl Fields Tyler. How are you today? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me on the show. Pleasure to talk to you. So talk to me. Interesting quote from our Charles Schwab, ex-CEO. What is what does this have to do with our topic about the, the unique things going on in the hiring environment in the Bay Area? Talk to me, Cheryl. Great. Yeah, thanks again, Bonnie, for having me on the show. You know, um, I, I know the topic today is on hiring, and, and certainly I've got some, some opinions about that. I, I think the place I'd like to start is that, I think too many companies focus on the war for talent as being sort of the next shiny penny or gold ticket talent they're going to be trying to recruit into the company. And while certainly there's always the the need and and, and frequently the need to find a sort of singular talent that can come in and and lift a technology company or sort of, um, you know, significantly upscale a team – I think the real war for talent is actually happening inside the company, the war of engaging the people you've got, the war of mm-hmm. creating the kind of environment that really, um, what I call a meaning-rich environment that really um, unleashes um, human potential in ways that are beyond, um, you know, the, sort of the norm. Um, so I like to think about, um, rather than looking for the next new star, how can you actually build a star organization where um, the whole organization is infused with, um, concepts and roles and um, management practices, leadership practices, cultural norms that create meaning, um, job roles that have high levels of autonomy and accountability, teams that have clear goals and effective relationships and real measurable impact, leaders and managers who aren't just directing day-to-day but who consistently mm-hmm. um, point to the why of the work and cultures that engage employees, not just um, in terms of their paycheck but in the, in the heart and mind and focus on a higher purpose, a societal good beyond the bottom line. Um, I think meaning-rich organizations are uniquely qualified um, not just to sort of get the productivity and effect from their existing organizations, but also attract the new talent that they're looking for. Um, I think many of us know that millennials are entering the workforce, and they want jobs that aren't just about the paycheck. They want jobs that are also about meaning. And uh, it's something like 70% of millennials um, say that they'll choose a job with meaning over pay. And, again, even your existing employees talk about um, having higher um, retention, higher um, satisfaction, and more discretionary effort given to organizations that sort of are this meaning-rich kind of combination that I talked about. So the question I think every leader needs to be asking is not just where do I go get that next new, um, you know, sort of gold star individual, but how do I create a meaning-rich environment where people really are stimulated to learn, where they're given the inspiration to strive for excellence and really make a meaningful difference. I think that's what people are looking for, both inside your organization as well as your next new hire, and that's where I'd like to see more Silicon Valley companies focusing. 
Thank you very much, Cheryl. Great insights into our topic. Appreciate everything you've shared so far. And let's turn to our third panelist. I'd like to welcome David Swanson. He's an executive VP of Human Resources for SAP's Products and Innovation Organization. And he sent me the following quote in his own words. David Swanson says, and I quote, it's not about being different. It's about making a difference. Today's top early talent entering the market in the Bay Area want to make the world a better place and want to work for organizations that help them to bring their dreams to life. Very, very interesting. A lot of meat on the bones there. David Swanson, welcome. How are you today? Hey, Bonnie. I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. You're calling from Germany. You sound terrific. So talk to me. Uh, Let's focus on the Bay market, Bay Area market. What's happening there? Yeah, I think it's a lot of what Cheryl talked about, this idea that, you know, people aren't so much looking for organizations that have cool technology and, and not even organizations that have a big brand. More and more what we're seeing with early talent in particular is they want to know what's the organizational intelligence. In other words, who are the people I'm going to work with? Are they people who are going to push me, challenge me, encourage me? And that's more important to them than working for a marquee company or working on a product that might be in a market-leading position today. And I think it's this desire, and Cheryl touched it, it's this desire to want to do more than just do a job, a higher calling an opportunity to make a difference in the world. And that's uh, we're seeing that more and more. And the kind of people that we see who are truly the innovators are those people that have that curious spark about more than just doing the job in front of them, but how can they do what they do and make an impact not only on the customers they serve, but more importantly on the communities they participate in. Thank you, David. I have a question for you on our topic about the unique talent dynamics in the Bay Area. Is it the water? Is it the food? Is it the coffee? What is it about the Bay Area? Is this a microcosm of this switch? And and let's take this from two sides, if you will, David. And and when we get into our roundtable in a few minutes, I'll ask Michael Castellano and Cheryl Fields-Tyler to come to this perspective, come into this perspective. Question is, is it different in the Bay Area for what the talent is looking for as well as what the companies are looking for? Are they meeting in the middle happy or not? So give me a a little reflection on what's so unique about the talent dynamics in the Bay Area, David. Yeah, in my job, I get a chance to travel around the world, which may sound glamorous, but actually is not. But the bottom line is that there is no other market that I've seen that's like the Bay Area. You have a melting pot of different technologies, different sectors, but more importantly, people come from literally all over the world. And they come with different viewpoints and different ideas of what's interesting and different passions. And they bring those together, and I think that that combination or that, that melding of different viewpoints creates a much stronger and much more powerful impact in the businesses that they serve. And as companies become much more consumer-focused and really think about how to serve the end user, having that kind of broad and diverse background really makes a difference in not only, I think, the talent that are attracted to come work in the Bay Area, but the type of solutions and innovation that comes out of the Bay Area. Thank you very much. I'm going to circle back quickly to Michael Castellano. Any thoughts on what David said about what's unique about the Bay Area? Well, you know, I'm I'm reminded of of that quote, "Go go west, young man." You know, the uh, the Horace Greeley quote, um, and it it seems to be it's interesting that that opportunity keeps moving west. You know, my ancestors they came over from Italy, and they came over because the east coast of the United States was where all the opportunity was, and it was a new world, and it had new promise and it had new rules and that was really exciting and that was um, uh, important for people so people would you know leave their homes and go to this this brand new world i think that the bay area 
he is representing one more time that go west, you know, that, that, that go out to, to new opportunity. Um, I myself, I originate from Florida, and one of the key people at Engager, he was from Florida too. And, you know, we left, we left the comforts of our home to come out west, to come to the Bay Area, because it represents for us a new world. With, with, with new opportunity. And we really do connect with the businesses and organizations out here who, who are spearheading this new world. And, and, and they are the pioneers making a world that's more transparent, a world that's more efficient, a world that is safer and cleaner and better for everyone. And so I think that that mentality of, of you know, picking up and going towards this opportunity, it's... Mm-hmm. For me, as a millennial, that's what attracted me to come out here. Thank you very much. A lot of we appreciate personal stories. A lot of sound bites there. Cheryl Fields, Tyler, you want to briefly comment before I ask all of you what's in your cup today? You know that's coming. Cheryl, thoughts about what's unique about the Bay Area? And let's flip it. What what are they really looking for? The companies in the Bay Area. What do they want? You know, um, I think of um, Silicon Valley as the realm of possibility, and um, I've heard so many people articulate, um, like Michael just did, the experience of coming to the Valley and that there really is something palpable and different here. I mean, part of it is by the numbers. I mean, there are more college graduates in the in the Bay Area than, um, you know, about twice as many as in, in per capita than, than in the U.S. as a whole. Um, mm. It's much more diverse than other um, regions of the country, um, almost 60% of the um, the college graduates that are working in the Valley um, are from other countries, and it makes an incredibly um, rich um, sort of landscape of um, innovation and thinking and kind of cross, cross, mm-hmm. cross-cultural uh, communication and collaboration. Um, when, someone I recently talked to um, kind of compared it to, like, Tasmania or Madagascar, like close enough to the mainland to um, still have um, lots of, of rich influx of talent, but its own ecosystem with unique life forms, and I think that's a pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting analogy. You know, in terms of what companies are looking for, I mean, I, I honestly think they're looking for um, the the opportunity to create, the opportunity to innovate, the opportunity to, to you know, it's, it's used a lot as a kind of a catchphrase, but but change the world in whatever way it makes makes a difference. You know, I've been in the valley most of my career. Um, I've also worked all over the world as a management consultant, and one of the things I love about coming home to the valley is how many times I've been in rooms with engineers that are building um, the new switch or the new router or the new technology or the new piece of software, and they're talking about feature sets and they're talking about fail rates and they're talking about all that kind of stuff, but they're also talking about how that um, piece of of code is going to to change people's lives. And um, I I think that's a really um, interesting um, kind of multi-level dialogue um, to be having um, with your colleagues all the time. It makes for a very innovative environment. It sounds exciting, Cheryl. It really does. And guess what's exciting? I'm about to ask all of you, starting with Michael Castellano, what's in your cup today? Because we're part of the, the, the series, the set of shows I created for SAP called Coffee Break with Game Changers. So since this is one of our theme series, I'm going to ask Michael Castellano, what's in your cup right now? Or what do you wish you were drinking right now on the show? Michael? Okay. So, so I'm going to, focus on what I wish I was drinking right now, because in reality, it's just black coffee. Um, But I wish that I was back on the beach in Florida having a mimosa, assuming it was a, you know, Sunday 
<laughs> I love I love the caveat Sunday or a Tuesday. Okay, we we hear or, you loud and clear. <laughs> or Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Thought so. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. That sounds refreshing. Which beach in Florida are you dreaming about, Michael? Uh, Boca Raton. Um, there's a there's a particular resort there called the uh, Boca Beach Resort and Club. That's, very uh, nice. My, my yeah. mom winters there. She's a snowbird in Boca, so I know the area very well. Thank you for that v- vivid picture of you on the beach with your mimosa. Cheryl Fields, Tyler, I don't know if you want to go to Florida and have a mimosa with Michael, but what's in your cup today? Oh, well, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind a, a beach in Florida, but I have to admit I'm actually drinking a homemade um beautiful latte that I made myself at, at the uh, coffee maker that my husband and I uh, got about a year and a half ago that we now call our altar to coffee. We, we love that machine. It's, <laughs> it's uh, unreasonable how much we love that machine, and I'm really enjoying this latte this morning. Would you like to tell us the name of the machine, the brand? We'd love to know. Oh, it's a Jura. <laughs> it's our third. Okay. Your third. Okay. Thank you very much. That's a good picture for us. And David Swanson, you're in Germany today. What are you drinking right now or after the show? Talk to me. Well, after the show, I'm going to go back to the same place I went last night, which was a little cafe overlooking the footbridge in Heidelberg, which, if you haven't been, is one of the most lovely cities in Germany. And it was a great shot with the Rhein-Necker in front and the sunset going down. And uh, it was just Mm. a, a very peaceful and beautiful evening. So I'm looking forward to going back there again tonight. And what are you going to be drinking there? Probably have another cappuccino. That's what I had last night. Okay. Very good to know. Thank you very much. And thanks for taking time in your day. I know it's much later for you than it is for the rest of the panel. Uh, our engineer says he's kind of jealous. I'm not sure whether it's a mimosa on the beach or the view in Heidelberg he's, or maybe the machine Cheryl is using. Thank you very much. Guess what? We're talking about the unique talent dynamics in the Bay Area. Subtitle, does a degree still matter? We're going to dive deep into this topic when we come back after the break. I'm speaking today with Michael Castellano at Engager Inc. with Cheryl Fields Tyler at Blue Beyond Consulting. I'll ask each of you a little bit about your companies when we come back. And David Swanson, Executive VP of HR for SAP's Products and Innovation Organization. And by the way, I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. We are live. Today is Tuesday, May 20th. 2014. If you're keeping track, this is season two of HR Trends with Game Changers and show number nine. And we've got Mike Montalban tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio. You want to join the party? We'd love to. Have, he says woohoo. We'd love to have you join Mike. He's tweeting his little heart out there. When we come back, we'll be diving into the roundtable. I'm warning my guests, put your seatbelt on because it's going to be 30 minutes nonstop. We're going to kick it off with some remarks from Michael Castellano. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Brad out. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. Today's reality, your HR department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. 
comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR Trends with Game Changers. Here we are. Topic today is the unique talent dynamics in the Bay Area. Does a degree matter? I'm not so sure they're unique to the Bay Area. I have a feeling word's going to get around if they make companies more successful. My panel of experts today are Michael Castellano at Engager, Inc., Cheryl Fields-Tyler at Blue Beyond Consulting, and David Swanson at SAP. Let's kick off our roundtable with Michael Castellano and Engager. Michael, you sent me the following notes before the show. I'm going to read them, and then I'd like to ask you what what type of employees will make this happen. So your comment was, I want dialogue and engager. I want lots of it. Our business is focused around starting a more engaging conversation. I want my employees to feel free to bring ideas to the table and be ready to risk it all for those ideas. They've got to defend them with everything they have and be able to be okay with them not always working out. Wow. How do you find these people? Michael, talk to me. Well, the first thing I'll say is that In a startup environment, I don't think the degree matters. If you're going to be a professional, an accountant, a doctor, a lawyer, then yes, I think the degree does matter. I think that if you go to a prestigious um, university or grad school, that that that's very important. For a startup environment and and for, for a company like ours, I really don't think a degree matters at all, actually. Mm-hmm. The thing that really matters is that you're a type of person who is confident, hardworking, and really, really hungry to see your ideas actually manifested through the company. People who take ownership, people who want their name on that product or on that product offering. They're the ones who show up early. They're the ones who stay late. They're the ones who mm-hmm. don't give up uh, when things go go bad or aren't going to plan. These are people who their personal uh, their their signature is is on the company, and and they really want to see success. That's the most important thing, and that's why I actually love internships so much. Because internships are a way, it doesn't matter if you're a Stanford graduate student or if you're somebody who has just finished, you know, high school. Internships really allow people a sort of an equal playing field to prove themselves. Because once you're in that company and you're given the opportunity to produce and to fight and to make your opinions heard, um, that's really when people shine. And I try to create an environment where it doesn't matter what your degree was. I want to see you shine, and I want to see your ideas come up and and get manifested through the company. Very interesting. I've already got people on the engineering side here saying they want to come to work for you, so I'll, I'll connect you to some people there. Michael, Michael, tell us briefly in a couple of sentences, what does Engager do, please? 
Engager has created a platform that allows companies to create interactive video conversations. So this isn't just a regular video. This type of video actually allows the viewer to participate. So you can ask the video questions and you can basically choose your own adventure, if you will, in terms of what the video does and how it responds. Um, so this is sort of bleeding, cutting edge of next generation video technology. And our platform allows people not only to create these interactive video presentations, but it also allows them to deploy and track um, the analytics on their interactive video presentation. Interesting. Thank you very much for that overview of Engager, and thanks for your insights. Cheryl Fields-Tyler at Blue Beyond Consulting, I'd love for you to comment on what Michael said as far as the value of a degree or not, and while you're speaking, tell us a little bit about Blue Beyond, please. Sure, Bonnie. Thank you. Um, uh, you know, uh, I think about the degree really from a couple different perspectives. I mean, I think the first thing I would say is, while um, I agree and, and hear what Michael's saying, and, and I work with a lot of companies that want that kind of le- uh, talent profile, it's kind of hard to find it in people that are like 18, 19, 20, and 21. You, you kind of need some life experience and some work experience to kind of figure out how to show up with the right level of kind of ambition and maturity and kind of uh, sophistication around the learning process and the innovation process. So while there are exceptions, and there are notable exceptions, and I always – you know, sort of think that, you know, companies should should definitely look at some of the non-traditional um, talent coming in through their doors. The reality is, is for the vast majority of people that want to work in Silicon Valley or in the types of companies that, that populate Silicon Valley or who want to create the next Silicon Valley company, um, education is a really huge part of that. Now, you know, I, I certainly, uh, I've got two or three very close friends who are um, very successful uh, entrepreneurs and they did some school, and then they dropped out, and then they did this, and then they did that, and, and they've really made themselves a very, very successful life and a very, very successful career. So it's not a prerequisite. It's not a must-have. Mm-hmm. I do think it's a very um, um, – it's an important – the way I would think about it is it's more about um, kind of how you um, learn. And um, to the degree that, um, you know, a, a university education sort of supports – um, learning and mastery and maturity, um, then I think that that's definitely the, the, the best choice for most, um, you know, young people in that kind of um, 18 to 22 type of age group. Um, and while there is an exception to the rule, I think generally speaking, um, most young people um, should be pursuing a college education if they want to, if they want a good, a great job in, in Silicon Valley. Um, and as two, uh, I have twins who happen to be 18 years old and both are college freshmen, so I may have um, sort of a, a, a rate or bias here, but, but that's, a, that's something I've seen over the course of my career as well. Um, Blue Beyond Consulting, we, yes. we work with clients um, that are going through large-scale change. So we work on, on the people side of business. We help leaders um, uh, communicate more effectively, um, get their strategy clear, um, engage their people, and execute for results. And uh, we've been doing, I've been doing this kind of work for the better part of 20 years, um, much of it in Silicon Valley, but, but also working in multiple industries all around the world. Thank you very much, Cheryl. Appreciate that. David Swanson, I don't want to leave you out in the cold there all the way over in Heidelberg. Why don't you talk to us about, let's focus on the degree. You, you work at SAP and HR. You're high up in the organization. What's your perspective? Yeah, I think for many organizations, and SAP is not exempt. The degree is still something that, that people look at 
Um, I think it was uh, Cheryl's point. When people don't have a lot of experience, there isn't a lot to go with, so you tend to look at their academic preparation. But what we're finding more and more in, in a lot of organizations I talk to in the Valley is this idea of T-shaped people. And, and what we're really looking for are people who have domain experience in a couple different areas. So traditionally, uh, students who come out of most universities are very I-shaped, have very deep domain knowledge in one particular area, but not much mm -hmm. in adjacent. And as we start to look at solving really complex social and economic problems, you need people who have experience in multiple areas. So one of the things we've started to look for more and more, and I know a lot of my colleagues at other companies are looking for, are people who've had other life experiences. Maybe they've spent a year and gone off and worked uh, in, in some kind of a social sabbatical somewhere. They've lived and, and worked in different parts of the world, or they come from different cultures, because they're best equipped to really come up with the next generation of solutions that are set up for the consumer-driven market. So for us, the degree, it's sort of the foot in the door, but really more importantly, I think for many organizations, and we're in that same camp, we're looking for more complete people, people who can actually come in and hit the ground running from day one. Um, I'm starting to hear about companies in the Valley now who are basically telling people, look, here's your offer. You've done an internship with us. We love you. Uh, if you don't finish your degree, don't worry about it. We still want you. So the degree, I think, is actually becoming less and less important for some of the more innovative organizations that are out there. Interesting. David, I, I want to ask you to focus, and of course, Cheryl and Michael, you can chime in at any point. David, I want to ask you to focus on, on generational hiring. Is the same rule of thumb applicable? Let's use SAP for an example, and then I'll talk to Michael at uh, Engager and Cheryl at Blue Beyond. Applicable to all generations in the workforce. And on recent shows, David, I've, been, I've learned that we don't just have four generations in the workforce today. We have five. So let's say somebody in their 30s, 40s, somebody in their 50s, 60s. Are you still looking? Does a college degree even matter when you get to that point if you have years and decades of experience and the right kind of way you think? In other words, are you, are you a, a good thinker? Are you somebody who can contribute to innovation? So what's your thought on that, David? Yeah, well, unfortunately, Bonnie, what we find for a lot of students who have gone through traditional universities is they're kind of taught to think in a much more structured way. And on one hand, that's extremely valuable when you're running an entire company's uh, supply chain for chocolate manufacturing, which is one of the things we do. But you also want people that can think creatively. They can say, well, well hang on a minute. I, you know, I know you've done it that way for the last 10 years, but what if we tried doing this? And they have the courage to speak up. And that doesn't come from a college education. That comes from a life experience. And as you get mm -hmm. further into your career, your degree and where you went to school is really more of a cocktail conversation. But it's still, I think, that foundation is something that people do rely on. And I think good educations really open people's minds and hopefully expose them to something more than just the technical or the business or uh, you know, support degree that they may be going after. It really hopefully exposes them to other views, other worlds, other cultures. And I think that makes them a much stronger uh, potential candidate for an organization and much better able to drive innovation. Thank you very much. Good insights. Michael Castellano, you want to talk to what David was talking about, different generations. Do you hire different generations in your startup at Engager? We do. And, um, you know, it's really interesting because I think that each generation is looking for something different. Um, and each generation brings something really unique to the table. Uh, when you were saying that there were four or five you know, generations in the workplace, we we have all of them. Um, if 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 you want to go from as you know old old as possible to as to as young as possible, we 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 have every generation represented in our company. And you know, with the um, at the at the top of the the age spectrum, 
Um, these are people who bring to the table so much knowledge and so much experience that, um, that you can't replicate. You can't replicate that any way else. And really good companies are smart to have advisors who are older and who do have that, that, that lifetime experience to bring to the table. And so, um, so we leverage that. And, and, and there are certain times when that's needed. Now, that type of person is not going to, uh, you know, do the spreadsheet work or, or, you know, code anything. That's just, that's, that's not their, their role. Um, for longer vision and sort of sort of uh, interpersonal dealings and these 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 more intangibles, they're they're great at that. Um, and of course, you know the degree has nothing to do with that. That they they've they've been able to develop that just through their lifetime of of experience and experience in business and in dealing with people and just being alive. Mm-hmm. Now you go to the complete other end of the spectrum where somebody is fresh out of college and, you know, they don't have any life experience, but they're excited and, and they're creative and they have a lot of passion and they can do things like, you know, they were, they were raised on computers and for them setting up, you know, Google apps and working with all of these online SaaS platforms and, and, and running all of the social media it's so easy to them because they grew up on social media and they grew up on computers and they think in terms of the cloud. They think in terms of SaaS. You know, the, you ask this person to, to, you know, file paper and they're like, why do you have paper? You, you know, what, what do you need it for? Put it up in the cloud. Use DocuSign. So, so they, again, that generation, um, at least for us, the, the degree is not as important as, knowing how to use these systems, knowing how to use social media, knowing how to use the SaaS platforms that exist, um, that's really what's important. And, and for the younger generation, whereas they lack the experience and the lifetime knowledge and the wisdom, they definitely have their strengths in creativity and passion and, and use of technology. Um, so I think as, as a CEO, as a business owner, I think it's my job to leverage every generation's strength all the way from from the early 20s to the to the late 60s, late 70s and and bring all of that under one roof so that we can all learn from one another and so that everybody can do what they're great at and everybody can shine. I think you're a hero. You mentioned the 20s up to the 70s. You, I think you stumbled over 60s and went up to 70s, and I'm sitting here very quietly applauding you, and I'll tell you why offline. No, I'm not there yet, but thank you very much. Cheryl Fields-Tyler, I want to tell, go in a slightly different direction. Uh, you mentioned in your notes to me you talk about focusing talent strategies on finding the gold ticket individual, which is something a lot of companies are still stuck on or still stubbornly sticking to. So talk to me about the gold ticket individual, then We'll ask David and Michael to chime in. And also, Cheryl, please talk about what a star organization is, what a meaning-rich star organization is. Go ahead. Sure. 
Well, I think, um, you know, a lot of organizations are looking for that, you know, when they're going out to the marketplace for talent and, you know, sometimes recruiters call it the, the, the pink unicorn or the, uh, the, uh, the, the orange elephant or, you know, people have different kind of nomenclature for this. But essentially the, the person who's um, so precisely fit for the role um, that you have, or who's um, so um, distinguished, you know, they want X number of patents, they want, um, you know, this kind of um, pedigree from a university, so on and so forth. And and I personally have seen um, organizations burn so many cycles looking for that sort of gold ticket individual, and then once they have them, not knowing exactly what to do with them. I mean, now, that's not to say that, I mean, there, there are the, the quintessential individuals that really can, just by their very presence. They're they're uniquely talented, but you know, um, rare means rare. I mean, they th- those people are not um, out there every day. And if you're asking your recruiting team to go find that kind of individual um, every time you have an opening, um, there's a tremendous amount of churn. And, and candidly, there's a lot of recruiters making a ton of money in the Valley recruiting those people back and forth from various companies. So I, I personally <laughs> think that um, companies need to really be, um, yeah, you've got you've to go after sort of singular talent when, when the situation really requires it. But it's mm-hmm. much more important to be building organizational cultures, um, organizational processes, practices, leadership capability that really can make the best of the people you have. Um, And, um, you know, I I can't tell you how many times I've seen organizations sort of struggle to have um, just that individual person come in to fill that role when there are people around the organization who would love to be, um, you know, tapped to take on that stretch assignment, to take on that um, opportunity to bring um, new thinking to the table. And oftentimes they have to leave in order to be recruited mm-hmm. back to get that type of experience. And that's just a tragedy um, kind of uh, from a human point of view, but it's also incredibly costly to companies. So, um, you know, what I have seen over the course of many, many years in the Valley, but also beyond, is is that organizations that can create this kind of meaning-rich environment where people feel and um, where there's lots of um, activity, it's not just a feeling, it's also actions and processes and structures and reward systems and leadership capability and, um, you know, recognition that really creates an environment where people are um, invited to and um, are given the, the uh, ability to work with purpose. Um, now, that doesn't have to be, sometimes that language sounds like it's got to be for sort of a higher good in, in sort of a mm-hmm. very esoteric sense. Um, look, uh, purpose can – it really, in, in the most, um, I think, uh, the strongest organizations, it's kind of at the – from the role base um, type of definition clear to the, the whole company. It can be to a higher purpose to kind of change the world, but it also can be – the purpose can be to give people good lives, to, to enrich their communities, to create an environment where people can, can really um, support um, sort of a, a, a life um, – Style and a community um, presence that really um, is is for the good of the community, um, not in some airy fairy sense, but in a way that's really um, very place based and, and about creating an environment where people want to work and live. So um, you know it can happen at a lot of different levels, but in in my experience, those kinds of organizations are doing a lot of things um, at lots of different levels, from the way they define jobs to the way they create and develop managers, the way that leaders show up at, to kind of the, the broader aspects of culture around values, mission, vision that really create this kind of meaning-rich environment. 
Thank you, Cheryl. I want to quote Michael Castellano, but then I'm going to move to David Swanson. Uh, Michael Castellano sent me the following. He says, keep it cool, keep it fun. This isn't the 1950s. It's 2014 in Silicon Valley. If you think a ping pong table is a poor investment, think again. Morale is key to a productive workforce. I'm going to flip it over to David Swanson. Any comments on this and what Cheryl was saying? And I know you have a strong opinion, David, about a great mar- a CV with marquee names. I think that's what she was talking about, that gold gold ticket individual. So what's your perspective, David? Yeah, I, just listening to Cheryl talk about this, the, the gold ticket, I think in my experience, sometimes they can be the real game changers, but usually they're the people that are most challenging to work with and frankly most disruptive to the organization Ooh. because they just don't understand social norms or organizational norms. And so, you know, it's great to have a, a real dominant star player, but in my experience that you, you're much better off with a collection of people who play together well. And I think, you know, one of the great ways to bring people together is to have social environments, ping pong tables, whatever it might be, to give people that opportunity to get some downtime because it's very intense in the Silicon Valley and you need to have that time to be able just to, to, to slow down, to catch your breath, to have a conversation with somebody about something other than work. And that's how truly strong teams get formed in my experience. It's not about the star person. It's about a collection of really smart people who figure out how to work well together. I appreciate that. Anybody else want to chime in on that? Cheryl, anything to say or Michael? I'll just I'll just comment on the ping pong table. I, I agree with that so uh, so much, and I think it really is about creating a sense of community um, in the workplace that's real and genuine. That um, that really is based on um, people being able to have fun together, to literally enjoy the work that they do together. Um, you know, when you interview um, you know high potential leaders, for instance, about kind of what has been some of the most um, sort of richest learning experiences, they almost always tell stories that have to do with the way they worked together in a really stretching, challenging environment um, to, to deliver something for um, the company, but they also tell the stories about the dinners after work, uh, the you know the the volleyball tournament, the um, the, the you know the the uh, Lego data center that they built um, as a part of a company wide competition. It, it, all of these things go together to create um, the kind of engaging workplace that that inspires people to to give their discretionary energy and deliver great results. Thank you very much, Cheryl. I want to uh, turn to a talking point from David Swanson. We have just a couple of minutes. We're going to go to break in four minutes. So, David, why don't you lead on this, and, and then we'll either take a break or I'll just barrel right through and have uh, Cheryl and Michael join in. Your comment is, Traditional organizational structures are becoming history in the Valley as companies move to fluid organizational structures. And you say the Bay Area, like nowhere else in the world, and I'm going to ask you why, challenges people to assimilate, assimilate yet hold on to the richness of their home culture. Very interesting comments. David, can you elaborate, please? Yeah, I think it goes back to what we talked about early in the call, and that's that the Bay Area is a very unique marketplace. It brings people mm-hmm. from literally all over the world and I think for many of those people, they leave their families, their friends, and, and really what they knew behind, and they're seeking something to, to be able to replace that. And work becomes that uh, really center for them in their lives. And so if work is just a series of solving technical issues, a series of dealing with tough customer problems, uh, it can be a, a real challenge for them. But if they can connect with people on a people-to-people level, that's where I think true innovation happens. That's where people really move into a space where they can be creative, where they come up with solutions that no one else has thought of. And it's this idea of balancing both their personal life, and there's a helicopter going over. I <laughs> hear it. That's okay. Their personal life and their work life in a way that doesn't separate the two, 
that people talk a lot about work-life balance, and you talk to people today, especially early talent, and they say, work-life balance isn't interesting to me. My work and my life blend into each other. So how do they make meaning out of work? Because it really becomes their life for many of them. Exactly. Very well put. Michael Castellano, we've been talking about your ping-pong table remark. What else do you do at Engager besides ping-pong tables? Give us some ideas. Well, you know, it's 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 interesting. I'll use uh, one, one of our uh, teammates as an example here. You know, he's originally from India, and um, one of one of the things that he does pretty much every day is he's up late working with our team. We, we also have a development team in India, and mm-hmm. so his hours are all over the place. I mean, there's, there's some times where California time, he's up till 1, 2, 3 in the morning, um, and so it's not uh, a problem. It's not an issue if when he comes to work, if he wants to, uh, he loves cricket. Um, he loves cricket. And so if he, on his computer monitor, wants to check out and watch some cricket, that's fine. You know, because, because last night while we were all sleeping, he was, he was up working with the India team. You know, so, so whereas our little TV break might have been at, at 9 p.m. before bed, um, he has a different schedule, and so it's not a big deal. He loves cricket, and he's just he's a huge fan. So it's not a big deal if he wants to take time during the day and watch cricket. And I absolutely agree with this blending effect about how work and personal life, it's not so differentiated. There's, it's not two different worlds. You're just a human being living, and there's certain things that you do that are work-related. There's certain things that you do that are, that are fun and personal-related, it all now seems to be blending very sort of harmoniously. And I think the organizations that understand that and not just allow that, but, but, but encourage it, you know, and, and encourage, hey, ha- have fun, follow your, your, your personal pursuits. It's okay if you want to watch cricket in the middle of the day. And my goodness, what a, what a privilege to work with someone who's willing to stay up into the wee hours of the night to forward the business goals. So, so I think that you have to have that sort of holistic approach with everyone you work with and just let people, um, let people blend it how they see fit. And the number one thing is results. As long as the results are happening, as long as they're, they're, they're meeting mm-hmm. uh, their goals and what they said they would do for the company, then really that's what's important. How they get there, less important. Thank you, Michael. On that high note, we're going to take a break. I'm going to give you all about 90 seconds to refresh and take a drink of whatever. When we come back, we're going to move quickly into the crystal ball round. You all know what that is. I'm going to ask you to predict if we met again in five or six years. Hindsight's 2020. We can go for 2020. What do you think will change in the intervening years on this topic? Will the unique talent dynamics in the Bay Area we're talking about today no longer be unique? Will other companies around the country and around the world get the message from Silicon Valley and start doing it what my panel is saying is the right way in terms of hiring and getting the best talent to get the job done? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Very happy to be talking today to Michael Castellano at Engager, Inc., Cheryl Fields-Tyler at Blue Beyond Consulting, and David Swanson at SAP. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You want to hear the predictions? So do I. Bread out.
business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. Today's reality, your HR department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR Trends with Game Changers. Here we are. Our topic is the unique talent dynamics in the Bay Area, a.k.a. Silicon Valley. Does a degree matter? I think we're finding out. It just might not. We're going to go into our predictions round now. Let's kick off the party with Michael Castellano, the founder and CEO of Engager. I have to spell that again. E-N-G-A-J-E-R, Inc. We have to go for the French pronunciation. When you're ready, you call me, Michael. Here we go. Michael, what are your predictions? What do you see? And how far out does the crystal ball let you see blue skies, I hope? Go ahead. I definitely see blue skies. Um, My my crystal ball, I'm looking about five to ten years out into the future. And um, see, what's happened in the Bay Area is, especially with technical, uh, technical talent, is the, the demand for them is so high that the, the salaries are going through the roof, and it's this classic economic problem of supply and demand there's only so many developers here and of course the demand is super high the supply is fixed um, you see companies like Facebook dealing with the same problems they just they can't get their hands on enough uh, developers you know mm-hmm. uh, developers in the Bay Area is what what raw materials was to China you know five or ten years ago there's just nobody can get enough of it so what's happening is because of this you know, fixed supply, high demand, uh, the price or, or sort of the, the salary point is, I think, reaching a ceiling. And so what you're going to see is you're going to see companies who get very creative about how to hire talent outside of the Bay Area. Over the next five to ten years, connectivity tools and connectivity technologies will become so good that whether the person is sitting right next to you in the office or whether they're in Florida or in India, um, it'll, you know, that, that separation gap will, will shrink. So I think you'll find entrepreneurs and companies who will get very creative about finding great talent all over the world at a, at a, uh, at a price that, that um, is competitive. 
And mm-hmm. so, um, and so, you know, for instance, even even us. I mean, we have we have developers in Florida, we have developers in Finland, we have developers in India. Um, so even we are starting to take this globalization mentality. You know, it's this whole the world is flat type of mentality. So um, I think over the next five to ten years, the demand, the, the the craziness of the Bay Area, especially for developers, I think uh, I think that'll lessen. Because I think companies will just get smart about hiring great talent in more affordable markets. Thank you very much, Michael Castellano at Engager, Inc. Cheryl Fields, Tyler, Blue Beyond Consulting. Talk to me. How far out can you see in the crystal ball, and what do you see, Cheryl? Well, it would be a little trite to say we live in the blue beyond. So uh, I'll just say that uh, (laughs) from my point of view, um, you know, five years out, ten years out, um, I I really think, one is I do think uh, Silicon Valley is going to maintain its status as a singular environment for innovation. Um, I think it's also going to become um, more and more known for the power of its community, the power of its culture. I think you're going to see more and more companies, as some already have, um, starting to um, differentiate themselves not just on who they can attract but who they can retain through um, this meaning-rich type of organization where the company um, with a notion of work-life integration, the, the company as community, uh, the company as an environment where people um, really see um, sort of their lives intertwined with, with their work. I think that's going to become more, not less. Um, one thing we've not touched on today that I want to just mention as a part of my crystal ball prediction is, is I mm-hmm. do think that you're going to see um, Silicon Valley companies doing more um, to confront um, the income inequality that's in um, our um, in the Bay Area environment in particular. There's been huge headlines with the you know blocked buses in San Francisco and all of that kind of thing. I think companies are going to begin to be more innovative about how they're addressing that. I think they're going to be more um, interested in figuring out how do we bring this whole economy along with us and not just um, the the few haves that that do have that um, incredible degree. And I think we're going to see a resurgence, actually, of um, corporate citizenship, not in that feel-good kind of way, but in the ways that really enrich our community. The Bay Area is a great place to work and live. Um, I also think, though, that we're going to see other parts of the world um, begin to, to, um, if not rival the Bay Area, I think there's going to be other places in the world that are going to be able to, um, in the next five years, uh, do some of the things that we were doing five and ten years ago here. And so, you know, the race is on. Um, We can't get complacent. We have to realize that uh, the Bay Area is a singular place to live and work, um, but but we really need to keep um, pushing ourselves and pulling ourselves toward a future that we can create. Thank you very much, Cheryl. Great points, great point of view, and great perspective. And let's move to David Swanson at SAP. What does a crystal ball look like for you, David? I can give you just about 90 seconds. Go ahead. Sure, Bonnie. So I think that uh, one of the things we'll see is the people who are coming into the workforce now, the millennials, will actually be in leadership positions. And I think their focus, and I think it was Michael talked about this, about people coming to an office will become something of the past. I think people will collect virtually, regardless of where they happen to be around the world. I think these large office buildings with people in cubicles will uh, be really kind of a relic, particularly here in the Bay Area. Um, I think we'll also see that more and more centers of excellence and centers of innovation will build uh, we're doing a lot of work in Berlin, which has really become, uh, in many ways, the Silicon Valley of Europe, uh, doing a lot of work in India with startups and in China with startups and really helping them to establish. And so I think we'll see that while the Bay Area will always have a u- very unique footprint, and I think Cheryl mentioned that, and that we have a, just a, an unbelievably diverse population here that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world, 
we'll see more and more populations around the world that will have the ability to innovate and will come up with the creative, new, interesting ideas and really, I think, give a run for the money for many of the organizations that are based here in the Silicon Valley. I think that'll be the biggest challenge for companies that are here is how do you stay relevant? How do you make sure that you're attracting talent in those hot emerging markets, not just in a way that taps into low-cost talent, but more importantly, how do you tap into those people that are going to develop the products and the solutions that make you relevant and sustainable for the future? Thank you, David. We're right on time. I need 30 seconds to close the show, and I'm going to do it. Tomorrow is Wednesday. That means it's Coffee Break with Game Changers, 8 a.m. Pacific. Thursday, Future of Business with Game Changers. It's early, but it's worth it, 7 a.m. Pacific. Next Monday, we're back with another edition live of Financial Excellence with Game Changers, 10 a.m. Pacific. And Tuesday, another edition of HR Trends with Game Changers. Thank you, Michael Castellano at Engager. Thank you, Cheryl Fields Tyler at Blue Beyond Consulting. And thank you, David Swanson at SAP. Shout out to Mike Montalban for tweeting his heart out. We got great words of wisdom here captured on Twitter. Carolyn Kahoot, thank you so much for at SAP. Thanks for sponsoring this series and for bringing Mike on board and Brad and the Business Channel team for getting us on the air. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a good one. I'll see you right here on the Business Channel tomorrow, Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific for Coffee Break with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.